This episode of a sassy little podcast for getting over it is proudly sponsored by Rooted Planning Group, a woman-owned and managed business. Think financial planning is out of your reach? Think again. Whether you've just graduated college, are about to walk down the aisle, looking to buy your first home, or need help getting out of debt, Rooted Planning Group is ready to help you achieve your goals. Visit rootedpg.com and get started on a brighter financial future. Welcome to a sassy little podcast for getting over it. I'm your host, Sandra Ann Miller. Today we're talking about getting the F over going it alone, because there still seems to be an avoidance of it and a stigma to it. Today's guest is me. It's just us. So either this is going to be an intimate little chat or awkward as hell. We'll see. But first I want to acknowledge that this episode marks the end of the first year of this little podcast. Episode 53 instead of 52 because I'm an impatient broad and couldn't wait until October 7th to release Amy's episode on shame, so I put it out on October 1st. Kind of a bonus. But I want to thank you so much for tuning in each week. It's such a pleasure to connect with listeners and get feedback on the episodes, so always feel free to contact me and let me know what you're thinking or feeling. But I love this little podcast, and it's brought me more joy than I ever thought possible. And that really comes down to you, the listeners, and of course, the amazing guests we've had. I've been so lucky in that regard and have so much appreciation for each of them. It's like hitting the jackpot each week. I'm just so lucky. So to all of our wonderful guests, thank you. Thank you. And I'm really looking forward to what year two will bring because we have even more guests who are amazing and it's going to be a fun little ride. So if you haven't signed up for the monthly newsletter already, you might want to do that now so you can be the first to know who's next. There's a little form in the footer of the website at sassylittlepodcast.com. It's really simple. And if you're thinking about supporting the podcast as a patron on Patreon, thank you. And this would be a good time to do it, as there's going to be a lot more exclusive content there. But if you want to support the podcast in another way, seriously, rating it and reviewing it is so helpful. And sharing it with friends. There's nothing better than word of mouth. So I appreciate everyone who has shared the podcast and has given a rating. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you love podcasts, there's a great app called Good Pods. And no, this is not a plug. It's something I recently discovered. And it helps you connect with friends and other listeners to get recommendations from them rather than an algorithm. So you can discover more wonderful podcasts because there's so many out there. And it's still sort of new. So they're bringing in new stuff all the time. But so far, it's just a delightful space. So if you do end up using Good Pods, please be sure to connect with me there. It would be nice to uh, to get to know what you're listening to. And uh, I have to admit, I typically typically listen to podcasts on my computer. So I'm trying to make the switch over to the phone. Um, but we can get to know each other a little bit better there. Okay, so on to our subject of going it alone. When you hear that, you'll probably think this is an episode about being single and all the fun that is, but no, not exactly what I mean. 
Or you might think going it alone relates to starting an endeavor or a career change, being your own boss. Eh, could be, but there's more to it. Maybe going it alone conjures up trailblazing or carving out your own path, and I'm all for that, but there's more. Perhaps it's listening to your intuition, that inner Yoda we all have, and serving as your own counsel. That's part of it. But mostly it's about being comfortable in your own company, happy in your skin, and in touch with the core of who you are. That requires giving yourself time to be with just you, to go it alone every now and then. And is that something that you do? Let me ask you, so when you see someone going out alone, what's your reaction? Say it's somebody dining alone, for example. Do you feel sorry for them? Thinking that they must be lonely? Or somehow don't have friends? Or do you think, yes, enjoy that time to yourself? Are you comfortable going out alone? Do you enjoy dining out by yourself or going to the movies back when we could? Or to a museum or having a spa day alone? How about a vacation? When I've asked friends those questions, the responses, of course, vary. But for those who think, no, it's a very firm no. People have strong feelings for multiple reasons about being on their own. I have to admit that I'm probably too comfortable in my own company. I can't tell if I'm an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert. But as much as I'm a cuddle muffin in a relationship and love getting together with friends and entertaining, I've learned to value time on my own. I think when you're a creative person or someone who's highly sensitive, you need time on your own more so than the average bear. For me, I need that time to write and process what's going on with me and around me. And it's a way to recharge. It's a method of self-care. It's not to be isolating or, you know, becoming some sort of hermit. It's, it's different. It's, it's just about having quality time to be centered, I guess would be how I describe it. And you can't always do that around other people. There's also something really great about being alone in public. It's something I do enjoy, especially if I'm in writing mode, which I can easily lose hours, if not days, being trapped in the house just writing. So to get out and be in a different environment is so helpful. But at the same time, I want to get out. I'm not really in the brain space to be social because writing is fucking weird. So I'll take myself out to a late lunch or early dinner when my local is a little slower because I can get that stimulus of being in a different energy and being around other people and hearing their exchanges and watching the way they behave. And I can engage in conversation when I want with the barkeep or the server or the person next to me but also get to kind of go back inward and deal with my writing or whatever I'm doing when I want to as well. It's really sort of perfect. So if you haven't treated yourself to being alone in public, do it. I highly, highly recommend it. And what is the fear of being alone? Do you have one? Because it's, it's made to be really, really scary in our society. Like the worst thing you can be is single, right? As humans, we crave connection. It enhances our lives. It feeds our hearts and our minds. But like I said, there's still a stigma to being alone. If you've never been married like me, people almost gasp 
at that realization. I've literally had that happen. And it's, it's like it's some sort of loss or failure. And especially if you don't have children as well, then that becomes like a whole other shocker because you're even more alone. Then in my case, which is truly heartbreaking for a number of my friends, I'm allergic to animals. So I can't even be the crazy cat lady or the crazy dog lady. I'm about as alone in that regard. So it's, it's really worrying to some people, but it shouldn't be. And, and just, just so everybody can just relax a little, it's not like I haven't been asked to be married. And it's not that I've never loaned true, deep, wonderful love or have been in really great relationships. But it's almost like if you're single, then you must have been rejected or defective in some way. There's something really wrong. And oh my God, no, and hello. But thinking of this episode... I do realize, and I have to admit, that probably, uh, I would even say 90% of my relationships have been long distance in one way or another, whether they lived across the country or had to go back to another country every so often, or even when I was living with my super ex-boyfriend, we were both in film. So he would be off on location for weeks at a time, and I would be traveling for work for weeks at a time, and sometimes they would piggyback on each other. But it just worked out. We understood why we were apart. It was part of our jobs. There was no resentment there. And it was ironic to be living with somebody and, and also having a long-distance relationship, but it, it was what it was. And truth be told, we didn't talk every day which I remember going out with uh, another couple and, you know, he had just got back into town and we were talking about being apart so much. And the couple was like, well, I'm, you know, you must talk every day. And we're like, no, because he's rapping at 4 a.m. and I've got to get up at 6 to go to work. I, I don't really want him calling me at 4. He's also too tired too. And, and is he going to stay up until six and I'm awake? No, it's just, it was just how it worked out. And this is like before text messaging and, and, you know, email on your phone. This is way back in the day. So if it wasn't a phone call, it just pretty much didn't happen. So, you know, you're just, so you're just reliant upon phone calls and time zones and all of that good stuff. So it was just interesting to see their reaction to our lack of communication and it, you know, it made me think, is our relationship flawed? Are we not close enough? Is this something we should be doing differently? Like, should we make more of an effort? But I realized that it, it said much more about their relationship than it did ours, because we were fine with it. And it was interesting to me to kind of see what people weren't comfortable with. And, you know, time and space apart, didn't seem like they were very comfortable with that. Even my last relationship, he lived two hours away. We would see each other on the weekends and sometimes meet in the middle of the week for dinner. And yeah, we were, we were in constant communication, on the phone, FaceTiming, emailing, all throughout the day, driving home together so we could chat on the phone about our days. It was lovely. It was intimate. And yet we were a long-distance relationship in a technical sense. So what works for you works for you. 
It's not for anyone else to say what's right or wrong. Proximity doesn't define the relationship, I guess is what I'm saying. You can still be very close, even if you're far apart. So if people are a little judgy about that, just kind of realize it might be speaking a little bit more about their comfort level rather than your relationship. And at the end of the day, it's much more horrifying to me to be trapped in an unsatisfying life with a spouse or a partner that you really don't like, let alone love. I mean, to me, to me, that's the nightmare. So no thanks. I would rather be the single lady without cats or dogs. And we need to clear up the difference between being alone and being lonely. Those are two incredibly different things. When you're comfortable with yourself, you're rarely lonely. You can certainly miss people and still not be lonely. And I suspect that people who are constantly with others are the ones that experience loneliness the most. But if you do find yourself being lonely, you might want to spend a little more time to yourself, which probably sounds a little ironic, but you need that time to get to know yourself, get back in touch with yourself. What you're missing isn't contact with other people, but a connection with the true you. That's who's calling out for attention, and that's who you're really missing. If you think about it, the deepest relationship you should be having is with yourself. You should be spending time with yourself, getting to know yourself, and understanding who you are and why you are the way you are, and how you're processing things, and how you're reacting to things, and why you react the way you react. Do you ever think about that? Just curious. Because you'd be surprised at the people who don't. Not a judgment. But having that connection and that sort of conversation with yourself is really enriching. And it probably sounds very narcissistic or myopic or insane. I'll, I'll, let, that, I'll let that hang there. But you need time to kind of get in touch with yourself, to kind of touch base and say, hey, how's it going? What's going on? What's the latest? Because we go throughout so much of the day sort of either on autopilot or preoccupied, but not really in the moment and not really with ourselves. And having that opportunity and making that time for that connection, for that kind of download, is, is super important. So that's really what I mean by going it alone. Just getting time and space for yourself to be with yourself and really be connected with who you are. Making that connection really does require quality time. Being truly connected to yourself and knowing who you are cultivates self-confidence and courage and a stronger sense of intuition. It also brings about a sense of contentment. When you feel comfortable with who you are and in your own skin, it really is a little bit of a superpower. Not everybody has that, but everybody should. And all it takes is time and care and connection. It's like tending your own garden. You really need to do it a little bit every day. Pluck out those weeds, nurture it, feed it, give it sunshine. And all of this might sound a little trite, but I'm totally, 
totally sincere about this. Getting to know yourself is only possible in a little bit of solitude because you have to listen. You have to be able to listen and step away from other influences. Again, it's not about isolating yourself or being some sort of hermit. It's about giving yourself that care, about loving yourself in that way to say, hey, I want to see how you are. I want to celebrate the good stuff. I want to talk about what's not working and see what can change from that. And it's hard to do when you have a busy career or a family or a partnership or you have lots of responsibilities and obligations. I completely understand that. It's, it's easy for the unmarried, childless, catless person to say. But you need to give yourself that time, even if it's set aside for meditation or going for a walk around that block. It's time for yourself. It's time that's needed. And it's not just for you. You're, you're going to be a much more happy, content, fulfilled person. So all of that just goes back to the people around you that you love and care for. So at the end of the day, it benefits everyone. And you should definitely be giving that space to your partner and your friends and your colleagues so they have that needed quality, quiet time to themselves for the same purpose. It doesn't take much, but it certainly should be a habit to just really be with yourself in your own skin, tapping in to that deep down you who has a lot of information to share. It's good stuff. It's worth a listen. It's worth processing. It gives yourself a chance to ask what you're doing well, what you want to change or improve, what feelings or situations you might be clinging on to, realizing what you need to let go of or get over, realizing what you want more of or less of, all of that good stuff. Sometimes we don't ask ourselves some pretty basic questions because we are so busy, we are so obligated that we become last on the list. And it always really sounds horrible to put yourself first. It sounds incredibly selfish, incredibly narcissistic, and it's not meant to. And, it, and truly, it isn't. But making yourself a priority is allowed. You get to be important in your own life. You get to be cared for. You get to be nurtured. You get to take up space. And it gives you time to find out what you really enjoy, what you don't, what you might have to still do anyway, but finding a new way to tolerate it, accept it, and make peace with it. And only you can do that. And only you can do that for you. And it's really hard to do that in a space that's crowded with others, that's crowded with noise and distraction. It's really important to do just on your own. And you'll end up being, like I said, so much more content and confident and realize that you can handle it. You have got your life covered because you've taken that time to sort of slow down and recharge and revitalize and prepare for everything that's coming next because there's always, always something. So maybe you are ready to blaze a trail change your career, start something on your own, end a relationship that's not working, I say go for it. But not blindly. 
the one thing I will never, ever say to anyone is leap and the net will appear. Because, my darling, I have leapt many, many, many times. And either the net wasn't there, it had holes in it, or it was too close to the ground to make any sort of difference. So, do you have a plan? Have a backup plan for your plan, and have a backup for your backup. Just cover the bases as best you can. But I will say, go for it. Absolutely go for it. Because even when I've leapt and the net has not appeared, I didn't regret it. I've not regretted any decision I've made. Because even if it didn't work out the way I wanted to or hoped, it led me to something else. It taught me something, both practically and internally. It was worth it. Even if it ended up in abject failure, which has also happened to me, it was worth it. And what is, what is sort of the cliche, we regret the things we did not do more than the things we did? Well, I think that's accurate. Because if you have to ask yourself, what if, or I wish I had, that can be painful. But go for it. Not recklessly. Not with just sincere blind faith. It's, those are painful landings, let me tell you. But let yourself have what you desire, what you deserve. And that's not putting yourself in jeopardy, or like I said, being reckless. Those, yeah, that, that will definitely lead to regrets. But believe in yourself. Give yourself a chance. You won't know what's possible unless you try. But do have a plan and a backup and a backup for your backup. Another way to go it alone is standing up for yourself or what you believe in. That takes an awful lot of courage to do, especially if you're the lone voice of reason. But when you're connected to yourself, sure of who you are, and not shy to state the facts, that's how change is made. We need much, much more of that today, by the way. I mean, we've been seeing it happen more and more. But we need to keep that trend going and make sure that we keep apathy and inaction at bay because that has caused us so much grief from the past decades, if not centuries. But having that conviction is beyond important because otherwise the status quo just keeps going. And as we've seen, we're actually starting to backpedal rather than go forward. And we, we can't do that. So if we have a bunch of people who are in touch with who they are, who spend that quality time with themselves really diving deep into who they are and what they believe and knowing what they want, then we're going to have people that go out and speak out and vote and care and make change in this world that's needed. And yes, You'll join other like-minded people to make those changes, and you'll join other like-minded people as friends and create family. So going it alone leads to connection, first with yourself, and then the wonderful people around you. So it's not about being alone or staying alone. It's about creating deep and true connection. And that seed begins within you, and that effect blossoms and reaches out towards others until you have this incredible network of other fantastic people 
with which to share your life. And that's pretty fucking great. So I'll ask again, how do you feel about going it alone? Is it something that you do for yourself already? Is it something that you're ready to do now? I hope so. I hope you make that connection. Even if it's just starting out by being alone in public. Even if it's just going for a walk each day, just for you. Give yourself time to listen to your thoughts. Give yourself time just to be and feel what it's like to be you. It's not a bad thing. So, this is only slightly awkward, I guess. But thank you again. Thank you again and again and again for being a part of this podcast. Really does mean so, so much to me. So thank you, thank you. And please be sure to visit our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group at rootedpg.com. Get your financial planning on. That's another good thing to do for you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this sassy little podcast, please rate it and review it and tell your friends about it. To get the podcast early, ad-free, and with exclusive content, become a patron on Patreon. Go to the community page at sassylittlepodcast.com for more information. And let's connect. Find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at sassylittlepod or email me from the About page on the website. Until next time, take care. <laughs>